And I think if you're really passionate about something, that you just have to stick with it. Um, and I think if you work hard, that eventually um, a lucky break comes along and you take advantage of that lucky break. Hello and welcome to Proud to Be You, the alumni podcast from Boston University. I'm your host, Jeff Murphy, and I am incredibly excited to share today's episode with you. Inspiring BU alums like the one I'm talking to today are the main reason I love doing this podcast. If you like what we're doing with this show, I'll ask that you take just two minutes and sign up for our newsletter for bonus content and giveaways. You can do that now on our website at bu.edu slash proud to be you. Pete Souza graduated from the College of Communication in 1976 and since then has gone on to be one of the most respected photojournalists of his generation. I spoke with Pete about his incredible work spanning both the Reagan and Obama presidencies and his reflections on being a documentarian of history. Proud to Be You showcases the journeys of some of Boston University's most interesting and accomplished alumni. Inspiring grads share the highs, the lows, and the challenges they've overcome along the way from the to innovative careers. No matter where your path takes you, proud to be you. Well, Pete, this is really, really exciting. Thank you so much for making time for this today. Oh, thanks for having me on. My, my pleasure. Appreciate it. I think the place that I, I really want to start is um, with the documentary that was made about you in 2020, The Way I See It. And one of the things that really stood out to me that was hard to believe, you had said during uh, an interview that you came to be you and didn't really have that much interest in photography. Is that accurate? This is... It, it, it's true in the sense that um, I, I didn't come to BU with the expectation that I was going to become a photographer or a photojournalist. Um, I, I came to what was then SBC, um, and you know, is now College of Communication, with um, the hopes of becoming a sports writer. And um, matter of fact. I'm surprised I got into BU. Um, I, I think if you one were to look at my grades and SAT scores, I would not have been an applicant that would automatically get into BU. So I wrote a handwritten essay on why I wanted to be a sports writer at, and learn learn uh, this trade at, at Boston University. And somebody in the admissions office, whoever they are, thank you for you know, taking a chance on on me. Um, and eventually I found my way to taking a photo class in my junior year at, at BU. And and that's when I realized this is what I want to do. That's fantastic. Tell me a little bit more about your BU experience. I, I always love to know, you know, where, where did folks live on campus? Where were you hanging out when you weren't in the classroom? Yeah, so I... Um, uh, probably because I was one of the last freshmen accepted. Uh, I ended up in a uh, in a building that BU had to rent at the last minute for transfer students. Um, it was called Wadsworth Hall. Uh, it, it was not it was not a dorm, but it became a dorm. Um, and it's it's right on Kenmore Square. It's now a, a, a condominium building, but at the time, 
BU rented it out as a, as a you know auxiliary dorm. Um, and so, a matter of fact, the two of the guys that were on the same floor as me ended up being um, uh, roommates uh, at a, in an apartment uh, later years. Um, so, and I still keep in touch with uh, with them uh, today. Um, and where did I hang out? I mean, I, I hung out at, um, I was on the intramural teams, you know, we played floor hockey and um, softball and, and basketball. I was on intramural teams and um, hung out at, at Fenway Park a lot, to be honest with you. I think it cost $1.25 to sit in the bleachers. Never been bad having that in our backyard, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that was, uh, and and I and I went to a lot of, uh, tried to go to a lot of concerts if if I could uh, afford the tickets. You know, they weren't that expensive and back in the seventies. But uh, uh, you know, for a college kid, was trying to scrape up money to go see concerts. So that's kind of like what my uh, what what I was kind of doing outside classes. Sounds like we had a similar college experience, although I didn't go to BU as an undergrad. Um, so academically, you you ended up graduating cum laude. Are there still classes, aside from that first photography class that you mentioned, or projects that you worked on at SBC, now Com, or professors that really stand out in your mind as having like a real impact on the, the route that your career ended up taking? Yeah, the, the the first photo teacher was this guy, St Stephen Frank. He was an a, a adjunct. I mean, he was not a professor. He was, uh, you know, brought in to teach uh, photo one. Uh, you know, certainly he had an impact. And then my last year, my senior year, um, this guy by the name of Ken Copri came into the department as a professor. And even though I didn't have him as a uh, for any classes, he became instrumental in in helping me, mentoring me. He got me an internship with the Associated Press as a as a photographer, which was you know just invaluable in terms of uh, experience. Um, and so those are the two that 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 come to mind. I, I think it was your mom who said when you decided that you know you were really interested in being a photojournalist. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to spend four years at BU taking pictures. Yeah. Um, and then did you go right from BU? You graduated and, and basically went right into your master's degree, right? Um, I I took a year off and and uh, worked for my uncle's business because I was still trying to figure out exactly exactly what uh, what I wanted to do. I couldn't. My portfolio was not that great when I graduated from BU, so I was not able to get a, a job at a newspaper, which is what I wanted to do. And so for a year, I worked for my uncle's business and then decided maybe uh, going to grad school would be a, you know, a, a good next step. So uh, that's what I did next. So grad school at Kansas State, and then Kansas I State. you said yeah. you had worked at a couple uh, sort of regional newspapers in before. Kansas, yeah. And then and then it's to Chicago, right? And the Sun Times. Then I worked at the Sun Times for less than two years when got one of those calls that um, <laughs> unexpected calls from. Uh, 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 somebody that I knew who had been the director of photography at the Kansas City Star, 
And she had become the photo editor at the White House during the Reagan administration. And even though she had never hired me at the Kansas City Star, she kind of kept track of my career. And uh, they had an opening to work uh, as an official photographer at the White House under Reagan's chief photographer. Uh, and that's how I got into the the uh, the Reagan White House. So how old are you at that time when you're on your way to the White House to... I think I'm like 27. 27. Yeah, if I do the at, math right. At that time, is that just like a dream job? Do you do you see that as being at like the apex of what a photojournalist can I do? I mean, it was not something that I ever aspired to do necessarily. Um, you know, and, and um, but certainly it, it was an opportunity that I, you know, wasn't going to pass up. Uh, I wasn't necessarily a fan of of, of uh, Reagan's politics, but I, I looked at it as well. If you're documenting for history, it really doesn't matter, you know, what the politics are of the of the president. Um, and so I look at it as an opportunity, a unique opportunity to document for history. Yeah. Um, and, and but it wasn't anything that I mean, it wasn't like you know that wasn't ever a goal. Uh, of mine is to you know become a white house photographer it was just something that was presented to me and um you know changed the direction of my career for sure yeah and again in the documentary you made a, a couple comments about preserving history and maybe even viewing yourself as a historian when you entered the white house are you thinking of yourself as a journalist and is it there that you start to think about documenting history or I mean, the best way to describe it is that um, it's it's not it's not that um, I suddenly um, walked into the White House and 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 changed my approach. Um, you know, the big difference is you're not photographing for the next day's newspaper, right? You're not trying to get the next the picture on the front page of the next day's newspaper. You know, which was always your goal as a, a staff photographer at a newspaper is you want to you want to have the best photo of the of the most important photo of the day, and and it's on the front page. That was your, you know, always kind of your goal. Um, it, it was it was so you're thinking differently in that respect that these pictures are more timeless. They might not be seen right away, but they'll be seen because um, they're they every picture ends up at the National Archives. So they'll be um, seen in perpetuity for generations to come. So the, the, the thought process in that respect was a little different. But the way you went about making pictures was the same way as you do at, at, at a newspaper. I mean, you're not, it's not like you suddenly are, you know, look at things differently. You don't, you, you don't. It's just that in the back of your mind, you're thinking, um, you're thinking uh, more timeless, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, not to fast forward the button, because obviously, you know, working in the Reagan administration has to have been fascinating. But after that ends, um, you end up doing a lot of freelancing work. I, I think you worked with uh, for the National Geographic for a while. I was curious to know, you know, as a photojournalist, you've had these experiences at a newspaper where you're trying to publish for the next day at the White House where you're documenting things that are going to go in the National Archives and then freelancing again, really sort of 
being almost like a solopreneur, do you have a, a favorite when you think back on your career? You're thinking, I really enjoyed my time in the Reagan and Obama administrations. I love doing my sort of solo thing or um, I guess I'm sure that they're all different, but does one stand out as sort of being better suited for you than another? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think there's um, pros and cons for for each. Um, you know, there's there's definitely pros to working for yourself as a as a freelancer. And the cons are you don't have a steady paycheck, <laughs> um, so you're constantly you know looking looking for work. Um, so there's that uh, freedom that was, uh, uh, you know, pretty nice there for, for a while. Um, I, I, I do think that I was, that I was pretty well suited, especially for the Obama administration. I think that, um, I was well prepared for that job. And, um, I think being a kind of a seasoned guy, um, with many experiences, uh, in, in in my past really helped me. I was kind of the same generation as as Barack Obama. I'm a few years older than him. Um, I think that helped. It helped that I had known I had known him for four years before he became president. Uh, you know, professionally, not. Uh, so um, I I just think that the the stars kind of aligned for me uh, to be the uh, you know the chief photographer for for his presidency. Um, but certainly there's things I miss about, you know, um, freelancing and, and working for a newspaper um, that, that, that are, you know, we're not this, uh, the same as, as working at the White House. This episode is brought to you by BU Connects, Boston University's exclusive online platform for alumni and student networking, mentoring, and more. Explore the profiles of nearly 30,000 Terriers and see how they're willing to help. Join groups to network with members who share your city, industry, or interests. Share advice or mentorship with students in need. Promote your business in the alumni business directory. Or find jobs posted by and for the BU community. Activate your free profile today at buconnects.com. There's a pretty famous story about after 9-11, uh, you, um, as I believe a freelance journalist, crossed into Afghanistan um, after the fall of Kabul uh, on horseback over mountains in three feet of snow. Uh, and then in addition to that, you were in the room with obviously these global leaders, not just the president, but all the people surrounding the president, international leaders. I'm wondering in terms of advice that you might share with our listeners, were there things that you picked up in all of those experiences about how to deal with pressure in the workplace, um, extreme stress, those kinds of things? Well, one of the things that I discovered about um, being on the front lines of the Afghan war in the fall of 2001 is that I was... I was not well suited to being a war photographer. Um, it, it was not anything that I aspired to do. I actually was not really prepared to be on the front lines. Um, and, um, you know, learned that that was, that's a certain kind of pressure 
to be um, hearing sniper bullets whistling over your head and not knowing are they a foot over your head or, you know, 20 feet over your head. It's a pretty unsettling feeling. It's a pretty unsettling feeling to be within 75 feet of a rocket propelled grenade exploding uh, and not knowing what to do next. <laughs> um, and so by the time I got to the White House, you know, many years later, and I'm in these high pressured meetings that he is holding that, you know, he's got to make some pretty tough decisions. I, I felt like no pressure because there was no sniper bullets flying over my head. Um, and I felt entirely comfortable in, in, the, in those situations. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with all the experiences that I'd had in my life and being a seasoned guy. Um, I don't think that it, it, I could have done that as a, you know, 20 something year old. I think being, um, being where I was in my career that the, 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 the pressure, if you will, in those situations did, did, did not, uh, unsettle me. Yeah. Was it before joining the White House and the Obama administration that you were, you were actually a professor at Ohio university for a while teaching photojournalism, right? Yeah, I had I had worked for the Chicago Tribune based in D.C. for nine years, and they were um, they they were bought by a real estate magnet, and 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 I was not uh, the direction of the Tribune. I, I was not comfortable with continuing there, so I started looking around for teaching jobs. And yes, I did go and teach at Ohio University for about a year and a half. Uh, prior to uh, going to the Obama White House, yeah. and so, and that was that 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 was actually a, 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 I think a good refresher for me at that time in terms of um, it made me in, in terms of teaching um, uh, photography and photojournalism to to young kids. It 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 made me rethink. Um, uh, just sort of my approach to photography and photojournalism uh, on on a very uh, basic scale, um, and and it was actually a good refresher course to kind of almost go back in time, if you will, to uh, put myself in their shoes when I was starting out, yeah. and think how could I help these young kids that are just starting out. Um, knowing the, you know, sort of situation I was in when I was a student at BU and how green I was. Um, and, and I think that, that I, there was a kindred spirit, if you will, of, of going back in time to their age uh, and, and trying, to, trying to teach them some things maybe that I didn't learn or that I learned along the way that I wish I had known when I was at BU, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I brought up your uh, professor, your having been a professor and your experience in that was um, thinking about, you know, today's comm students and um, the crumbling faith that 
I think particularly young people have in traditional forms of media. And so I'm just wondering, I know you're constantly asked to speak to um, students and you're traveling the, the world, you know, giving lectures. What are those, as you consider today's media landscape, what are those pieces of advice that you pass on to students that have an aspiration to work at, in journalism or photojournalism? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I'm qualified to speak to that high. <laughs> I have a question um, other than, you know, stay true to yourself, stay true to journalism. I think that, um, you know, authenticity is hugely important these days in journalism. Um, and um, I, I do worry um, the impact of, uh, what AI is going to have on people trusting journalism and trusting photographs. And uh, I think it's vitally important if you're going to go into photojournalism, especially that um, you're, you make sure that you're um, being truthful and authentic in the, in the photographs that you're producing because if you start messing around with uh, with photographs, then you're going to lose. We're going to lose all credibility in terms of the viewership. Um, so I think this is this is something that people smarter than me are are trying to wrap their heads around and make making sure that um, you know photographs that we're seeing, for instance, out of Gaza, are truthful. Um, because it's so easy now to uh, create um, uh, fabricated photographs, um, dishonest photographs. And if you're going to be in this profession, uh, you can't be a part of that. Okay. Outside of your advice for aspiring journalists, um, we actually have a student, uh, a current comm student at BU, who has a question for you looking for just some general advice based on where you are now in your career. So let's play that question for you. Hi, I'm Laura, I'm a comm major and I'm proud to be you. My question is, what advice would you give students entering their adult lives? Oh boy, that's like, you know, that's a big question. We're getting real uh, big and meta here, Pete. Big and, you know. Um, I think that the, the, the advice that I would give would be, uh, you know, um, find what you're passionate about, what you're passionate about, and um, work hard to um, um, maintain that passion um, and, and, you know, don't give up. I mean, there are so many times throughout my career where things didn't quite go right and um, I thought, well, maybe I need to do something else besides photojournalism and, you know, and I stuck with it. Um, and I think if you're really passionate about something that you just have to stick with it. Um, and I think if you work hard that eventually, um, a lucky break comes along and you take advantage of that lucky break. All great advice, but you mentioned the word passion and you set me up so nicely for the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. After uh, President Obama leaves the White House, um, you 
were, we'll call it motivated to start sharing images on Instagram. Uh, your account now has, I think, 3.2 million followers. And as a result of some of the things that you shared, you folks started calling you the king of shade. And in the documentary, again, you said that you saw it as a, as a right as an American citizen to speak out where you saw wrong. Um, I'm wondering if you were really scared about sort of being accused of risking your integrity by speaking out or were you just at a point in your career where that wasn't a concern that you had? Uh, yeah, no, I was at a point in my life that um, I wasn't ever going to, um, I didn't ever want to have another job. Um, I, you know, my, my attitude was, okay, I, I'm going to somehow, um, continue to do some photography and do some speaking and, uh, and create some books and somehow make that, make that, uh, work for me. Meanwhile, um, I, I did, I, I felt strongly about, um, you know, first and foremost, um, I feel I'm a citizen, not just an American citizen, but, you know, a citizen of the world and that I had a right to, to speak out. And I was no longer working for a newspaper or a magazine. I was no longer, you know, strictly a, a journalist. And so now I felt um, almost it was my duty to speak out. I thought that I had a unique perspective having worked for you know, arguably one of the most popular Republican and one of the most popular Democratic presidents of, you know, my generation. And I had a unique perspective on what the, you know, presidency met, meant. Um, and so I, you know, I decided to use my voice as, as much as I could, um, sometimes in a humorous way to to speak out where, where I saw wrong. Um, and, it it um i have no regrets about doing it i mean it it um it definitely Im impacted um my uh personal <laughs> safety at times uh just given today's current environment mm -hmm. um but you know to me it was something that i just i i didn't feel that i could live with myself if i if i didn't you know do something well that standing up is something that I definitely admire. And I know that there's lots and lots of folks in the BU community that you've inspired uh, by, by taking those actions. Um, so you were part of a team that won a Pulitzer in 2001. You have been nominated and won a tremendous amount of journalism and photojournalism awards. You've been on the top of the New York Times bestseller list, uh, on, I think on more than one occasion. Um, of course, in 2019, you also won the Distinguished Alumni Award from Boston University. Congratulations on that. Um, you've had exhibits of your work. You do talks, exhibits and talks all over the world. 2021, you are inducted into the International Photography Hall of Fame. Pete, what's left on your to-do list? Where are you going from here? Um, you know, <laughs> You're right relaxing now. a little bit, but... Yeah, no, right now I, I am, uh, I have two granddaughters and um, they're at the top of my list right now is to um, try to have some impact 
on them in a positive way. Uh, that's 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 my number one priority. Yeah, that's fantastic, Pete. This was really uh, great to have a chance to talk with you. And and on behalf of everybody in the BU community, thanks so much for for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Appreciate it. My thanks again to Pete for joining me on the podcast and sharing his take on the role of journalistic authenticity in divisive times. To view more of Pete's iconic work, check out the link to his website in our episode description, and I definitely recommend following him on Instagram. If you heard something today that makes you proud to be you, I hope you'll join me in donating to the BU cause that matters most to you at bu.edu give. Thanks for listening to Proud to Be You. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your episodes. Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University and our partners, Five Tool Productions, a BU alumni-owned, Boston-based company specializing in video production, live streaming, and content marketing. Our theme from artist.io is Think About Lights by Ben Fox. All additional media in this episode has been shared by our guest. To learn more about Proud to Be You, visit bu.edu slash proud to be you.